you, you're the pro you started oh, jimmy all right i'll start i'll start okay so the prompt is everybody does this this time of year which is like end of the year and spotify brilliantly does wrapped and like let's look back and then let's predict forward so if we were to take our and this is where we get to have like creative license right because like meteorologists are right i don't know 40 60 percent of the time and they still have jobs right because it's a prediction so we're going to have our predictions of like what's what's the exact prompt we were working with here like our predictions on on the future of pt or, or struggles or, or things that will limit us the question that came to me was what do you see as the biggest challenges for the profession moving forward got it okay all right dave uh we're gonna go round robin so this is a we'll, we'll treat it like a six pack so we don't know what each other is gonna say we all brought two and i'm not a math major but two plus two plus two is six so we're good so we're good there so dave uh challenge limitation what comes to your mind first and and i'll preface it by saying tony suggested that we stay away from the easy things which would be like low reimbursement all like right. the, the things that like everyone talks about and, and the biggest like obvious ones this is like when wheel of fortunes like started giving people like r s t l n and e and they were like listen we get it you're gonna say r s t l n and e we're just gonna give you those and we're gonna do other letters so yeah those are the sort of low-hanging fruit those are the thing everybody talks about we want to go a little deeper so that's which i thought was a great prompt all right, so let's just jump right into it. So number one, uh, private practice owners, if we're talking about practice owners or PTs, but practice owners, they don't know their numbers. We're gonna talk about customer acquisition costs and lifetime value of a new patient. Now, of course, we wanna help people, uh, but the financial motive must prevail here so that we can stay in business and help more people in the community with the amazing therapy that we all do across the country and everywhere else. So if practice owners knew these numbers, knew how much it costs to acquire a new patient with paid advertising, paid online marketing, and Jimmy and I just talked about that recently, it would be easier uh, if you knew it, if you knew these numbers, and it's really simple to track. And I know Tony uh, probably tracked it more before, and I think now it's probably back of the napkin math or in his head or whatever, um, but not every practice owner is at Tony's you know, stature, right? So if you knew these numbers, it's easier to reinvest in your practice, it's easier to grow, and you can sleep better at night. So the customer acquisition cost, it could be 100 bucks, whatever it might be, and uh, for a new patient to be scheduled, and evaluate it. So whether you go to them or they come to your brick and mortar uh, and you complete the evaluation, what is that approximate dollar amount? And then how many on average across, let's say this calendar year, so 2023, you look at all your total visits, all your total new evaluations, all your new patients, what's the average number of follow-up visits, like, like total visits in the plan of care. So the eval plus any follow-ups, what is that average number? Is, is the average number per plan of care, is it five or is it 14? And if your average number is 14, um, you have a, a, a lifetime value that's larger, and then you can have more of those profit dollars to be reinvested back in the practice. So right. that's my first one. Yeah. Now, let me ask you before we move on, let me ask you about that. We're talking about trends also. Do you see that trend changing positively, negatively? Do you see it costing more in 2024 to acquire a new physical therapy patient to initiate a plan of care than it cost? in 2020 or even prior I, I, do, I don't see a, a, a large change in the cost of that i mostly use google ads i know there's other practice owners that use google ads and facebook ads facebook ads just haven't worked or i've used folks that just hadn't cracked the code in new york city um but in terms of the incremental cost for a new prospective patient a new lead that comes in our ecosystem um i don't think between now and next year it's going to increase dramatically. I mean, three or four years ago, yes, it was cheaper then, but it's not going to be a huge jump. 
All right, I have a question. This is where I thought Tony was going. I want to ask uh, the the change that you've seen hearing from other practice owners. Are they more open? Are they more outgoing to know their numbers? Are they like, are they finally no. seeing this as a weakness and saying, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, this is what Marcus Lamont, are you guys, are you guys familiar with the prophet? You guys must say. And his sure. first thing is like, you don't know your numbers. He's like, I'm not talking to you. He's like, give me all your books. He's like, there's your big problem. And we're all guilty of this, right? Or hopefully less and less of us will be guilty of this in, in the future. Well, and, yeah. and Tony, Tony knows this because a lot of practice owners just historically don't know their numbers. It's a therapist kind of, you know, stumbled into yeah. opening up their own shingle and then kind of growing incrementally over the years. Um, and it's, it's, it's a different mindset. And I've used like a couple different business coaches and colleagues and mentors to actually learn this, have accountability for it, and then kind of implement it over time. So yeah. it, it's not like something that we learn in school, in physical therapy school, whatever. So you have to have some external help or support. I'm glad I learned the Pythagorean theorem and not how to do my taxes. Thank goodness I memorized that one, though. <laughs> All right, Tony, what do you got? What's your first one? So I, I think the biggest challenge facing the profession at large is really the unwillingness for so many of us to change. And I'm just as guilty as everybody else. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, Okay, we know back in the early 1900s, late 1800s, ice harvesting was a huge industry across the world. Then refrigeration came out and the people who refused to leave ice harvesting went out of business. We know that Kodak used, had all of the information they needed for digital cameras, but they squashed it because they were in the film business. So for us as a profession, as therapists, I think so much has changed from where the profession originated. Now, I'm not a historian. I, I, I guarantee I'm going to get this wrong. But generally speaking, my understanding is that our profession came out of was a restoration therapist. And we were helping people, you know, that were injured in war and polio. And now the world is completely different. The patients we're taking care of are completely different. And I still see therapists trying to use outdated treatment models for completely different uh, conditions. And so if we're not adapting, if we're not changing, if we're not willing to, to recognize what it is that we actually do as a profession today, where I would say it's mostly treating lifestyle disease, yeah. uh, I think there's no place for us, you know? And so certainly there, there are amazing therapists in neuro settings. There's amazing therapists in clinics that help individuals after an amputation, like, there are elements within the profession, but the biggest part of the profession, I think we're still functioning on outdated models. And if we're not willing to change, if we're not willing to adapt what we do to the current population and the future population, the, the onslaught of baby boomers that are coming into our you know, clinics and, and under our care, I think we're done. I, I think there is no place we are going to be the ice harvesters that are still trying to cut ice out of the Arctic when refrigeration is in every household. Well, because this was mine. <laughs> so I knew I should have went first. So, I, I mean, I guess was yes and you for that one. I even had the I even I was like, I'll start cute. I'll start with the quote because a famous dude uh, who is a scientist said it's not the strongest of a species that survives, nor the most intelligent. It's the one yeah. most adaptable to change. And that was Darwin, right? It's not the strongest that survives, right? Is adapting to change. I think I said this the other day, you know, someone was um, raging on LinkedIn about uh, specificity of exercise. And this person was a physical therapist. And I was like, I don't know how many, I don't know the percentage, but how many of the things that we do are actually proprietary to physical therapy, right? right. I mean, 
you know, so a lot of people, I mean, I think Tony, you had brought this up. You know, is a license a bonus or is it a hindrance? Because a license actually binds you to a scope. Whereas if you don't have that, and we're seeing that play out, this was the other thing I was going to bring into it. I'm sure you guys have seen this online, which is the APTA uh, state chapter of Colorado, uh, you know, championing a petition. This feels a lot like, you know, the 11th graders trying to petition the school cafeteria to change the menu. It's like, it's cute, but it's not going to cut it, right? It's like bringing a plastic knife to a knife fight. It ain't going to cut it. Um, it's nice. I even asked this morning, how much how much free press do you think Lifetime Fitness, who just for context has been using DPT, a dynamic personal trainer, uh, in their marketing, they know what they're doing. How much free press do you think the professional physical therapy has given lifetime fitness? Like, do you, you don't think that they're monitoring this? They absolutely are. So it's it's the adaption to change. So if we hold on to, we harvest ice. No, it's actually you bring cold. Like boil it down to what you actually do. Like what business are you in? I I got stuck in that during the pandemic. I was helping a lot of companies. I was hosting live streams. A lot of people needed to flip online, didn't know how to do it. I was like, here I am. And then eventually I was like, I don't like doing this because there's a lot of logistics work. I like to do this. I didn't like to do the logistics work. So I think asking ourselves what business we're actually in is the way to go and then go forth with that. But if you're not adaptable, if you're if you're still harvesting iced, good example by the way, if you're still harvesting iced, iced I don't know. Good luck out there on the lake with your giant stick and your and your canoe. Well, you know, and it goes back to Dave's original point about therapists not taking responsibility for being a business yes. owner, but trying to run a business. If you don't even understand your numbers, if you don't understand lifetime value of a client, cost of acquisition, you don't understand these absolute basic minimum competencies. You're not taking responsibility. You're not acting like a professional. You're not being a business owner. You're just kind of putting the label on. It's like my 10-year-old who puts the label on being an adult. You're not an adult. Right. So I, I really think that these are the things that are the biggest issues for us as a profession. And of course, there's always little pockets uh, of people that are doing it right. But on the broad scale, I think we can say you know, this is a challenge that we need to face. And we need to face it head on. And we need to be willing to look at ourselves in the mirror. So let, let's hit back to Dave. Dave, what is your second idea of what's kind of the biggest challenge for the future moving forward? Yeah, another, another financial tactical one uh, with a physical therapy practice, we're gonna look at three buckets. You have overhead, personnel, and profit. Overhead is obviously rent, marketing expenses, EMR, everything you gotta pay as a business expense. Personnel is obviously labor, which is typically 50 or 60% of your revenue. It's like the biggest chunk. Uh, and then profit, which, you know, ideally should be, you know, 20 or 30%, but there's a lot of practice owners operating at eight, nine, 10%. Uh, and that's not going to be great for the profession or their ability to actually sleep at night and continue to serve their community. Um, so practice owners watching or listening, uh, do a, do a quick couple of calculations and like, you could start with your personnel. If your personnel is over 60 or 65% of your revenue percentage. So whatever your revenue is, you know, take that percentage and uh, it should be closer to, you know, 55%. Uh, then obviously overhead is going to be, you know, 20, 30%, and then the rest is going to be profit. So it depends on your overhead. It depends on your operating model. It kind of feeds back into things Tony's put out about um, adaptability and change and, and different models and different approaches. So that's my next thing. 
Yeah. Where, where are your numbers coming from? Because I know I've shared publicly numbers from U.S. Physical Therapy since they're a publicly owned company. They share numbers and I've been following them literally for 20 years. I look at their annual reports and you can see incremental increases in the amount that goes toward covering salaries goes up from like a 48% back in the early 2000s to over 60% today. Where are your numbers coming from? Um, mostly from Sturdy McKee of like where, so my business coach, my partner, uh, mentor, yeah. uh, about where, where a service-based business or a physical therapy business like could be, or should be, um, you know, USPH arguably, what are they, how many locations, 900 or something like pretty, pretty large scale. Yeah, so they, yeah. they, they, they can, they can actually be more competitive, almost like the hospitals. They can be a little more competitive on salary potentially because they make it up in volume across the right. whole country. But if you're a practice owner with one to three locations, it's going to be hard for you to have uh, personnel and payroll at 65% or even getting into the seventies. I mean, it's just, your margins are going to get squeezed. Well, that's the thing. I, I coined the term zombie practice because so many small private practice owners that I talk to, again, me included, everything I share, I, I reflect back on myself. We're operating businesses that are not profitable at all. We're funding the business because we love what we do so much. We're willing to lose money doing it, but we have this facade that we think, oh, we've got a 20% profit margin, 25%. That is ridiculous. If I hired somebody to clean the toilets that I clean, if I hired somebody to do the payroll that I do, if I hired somebody to do the marketing and the recruiting and the hiring and firing, all of which I do, and treat patients, you would quickly realize that, oh, wait, I'm losing 150,000 a year. I'm not making 230,000 a year, you know, mm -hmm. but we, we ignore those things that we do that would otherwise be hired out in a real business because we just love what we do so much. Jimmy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we just want our fingerprints on everything, right? Right. Um, and it's, it's the heart, the, 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 the person hardest to criticize, uh, is yourself. And it's, it's, because it causes this is an emotional thing. Like the more I read and learn about this, I'm not a psychology expert, but it really is. You have to sort of look in the mirror and say, I'm bad. I hi, I'm Jimmy and I have a problem and I'm and I'm going to solve it. And the thing is, there's going to be a dip. It's going to be really uncomfortable. And then the idea is on the other side of it, you actually feel better than when you started because you're not just sweeping this thing under the rug. All right. So I'm going next. Yes, sir. Tony can't trump me again and bring up uh, bring up uh, an idea that we share. So the first one was, um, you know, really ourselves. And the second one is going to be this thing that we're using right now. I mean, three guys having a conversation at nine in the morning and then sharing it with thousands of people wasn't possible 20 years ago. Right. Not unless we lived in a, uh, worked in a building with a giant antenna on top. So I think the biggest I think it's a threat and an opportunity. I think it's a tool. I think it's fire because you can use it to heat yourself or it'll burn down your house, which is technology. You know, healthcare has be become more prominent in, uh, or, or excuse me, telehealth has become more prominent in healthcare. It was not possible. I mean, I was at, I was at CSM Denver. It's not a thing 20 years from now, maybe we'll talk about it. And little did we know just a couple months later, it was going to be necessity being the mother of invention, um, digital tools and apps that can do things, clinical things, business things, communications, things, interpersonal things, uh, patient assessment, monitoring, remote rehab. We're talking about RTM, which I think is a, a gigantic opportunity. How can those tools enhance patient outcomes and engagement? How can it help you do things like 
a QuickBooks or automated apps that you take a picture of your receipt and it knows what's going on there and that math maths. So I think it's not going to be, again, technology that replaces a therapist. I think it's going to be technology uh, will help a therapist replace a therapist that is not using technology. And then there's like even the scary things. I help monitor other companies' social media platforms. I won't say who, but I see all these inbound messages and how many spammers are out there. I mean, I'll get messages from people who are not digitally savvy, like this customer complaint we should do. I'm like, do not under any circumstances click on that link because you will lose your five figure, six, uh, close to six figure Facebook account because that is a spam. But the person is 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 at the, the helm of this Facebook account that they don't understand. So data security, that's just losing your Facebook account. Imagine you did something that lost patient information and you were on the hook for that and what that would cost you literally and figuratively. So I think technology is this thing that connects us, great advantage, but it's a powerful tool. And if you don't understand it or hire someone or work with someone that does, that's going to be uh, it's going to be a scary thing. Yeah, I, I, I see. Dave, what are you seeing um, on the technology side? What are you seeing when you're talking to these practice owners that want to exit? Are they adopting newer technology? Are they bringing in new services like RTM and other things? Where is where is it right now in, on that side of the niche? I mean, I think RTM is still pretty early. Obviously, we all talked about it and we've had it on our shows respectively. But um, no, the practice owners that we're speaking with, there's no major change in technology over the past couple of years. Um, they all will typically have electronic medical record. Uh, outside of that, there's no physical technology, uh, even though like like there's more with like the VR and like other um, other types of uh, either headsets or um, physical tech for interventions for patient treatment or evaluation, things like that. Uh, we just happen to speak with owners that are kind of just doing like the traditional therapy model, hands-on therapy and, you know, yeah. just like low, low tech uh, equipment based interventions. So I haven't really seen much of it. I actually worked at one of my first clinics after PT school and I graduated in 16. We were all paper. So I can I can sound like one of those people who were like, I've been, I was doing Back in my day. <laughs> Back in my day. And that wasn't even so many days ago. You know, what's interesting is, and I know you guys know it, I'm all paper. My entire doing? two physical locations, we're seeing hundreds of patients a week. I still maintain a paper medical record, but the big but here is I am leveraging technology where there is opportunity for me to scale. So you guys know, obviously I can do YouTube. I can reach 4 million people a year. I can do so many other things for me and my business, my business model my team has chosen not to move to an EMR, not to move mm. to digital for a lot of documentation stuff, but that's not slowing down my growth and that's not compromising my profitability and my revenue into the future. So what we're doing is we're saying, okay, there's not much upside on going to an EMR for where we are right now, but there's a ton of upside on virtual, digital, all these other things. And that's where we're doubling down. Before we wrap up, so my last one that I think is the biggest challenge moving into 2024 and forward is really this idea. And I, I don't know how to say this correctly, so I hope I don't get canceled for it. But I feel like too many of us treat the profession of physical therapy like it's a religion, borderline cult. 
Like we are so crazy about what physical therapy is and protecting physical therapy and, you know, all of these things around this idea where really, I mean, I'm sorry to me. Now I came into physical therapy as a business owner first and then a physical therapist, but I don't care. I don't care about the two or three letters after my name. I don't care about what it's called. I don't care about the profession. All I care about is how do I deliver the best possible outcome? How do I satisfy my patient's desire the best way I can? And whether I call it and label it physical therapy, whether I call it personal training or wellness or, mm -hmm. you know, performance, I don't care what the name is, but I think we get so hung up on that. We get so close to it that we make bad decisions because we're so connected to it. It's so passionate. It's so close to us. Um, it's almost like, and I don't know if this is even true, but I always hear like a surgeon will never operate on their child because right. of the emotional ties, you know? And I think we can't see clearly because we're so invested. We've spent so much time, so much money and all of these things yeah. in the name of the profession that we can't see past it. What do you guys think? Are people seeing clearly? Are people making good decisions? Does it even matter? And, and that goes back to Jimmy's conversation about the DPT. Yeah. I hear everybody tell me nobody understands what physical therapy is. Nobody understands what DPT means. But then as soon as those three letters get threatened, everybody freaks out. Right. Which one is it? Is <laughs> one or the point. other? Like, <laughs> Can't have it both ways. Yeah. It was, it was a discussion I jumped in on LinkedIn this morning, which is, you know, uh, PTs should be primary care providers. If you have an MSK issue, you should see us first. So many people are scheduled with me and then they have uh, an intensification of their symptoms and then they cancel my P their PT appointment with me and go see their primary care physician. And so they continued, they were like, if you have radiculopathy, that's a PT thing. And I was like, I'm going to push back here. What the hell is MSK to an average person? How do I know it's an MSK issue? I have to see my doctor first, then he or she will tell me if it's an MSK thing. Cause I don't know that radiculopathy what the hell is that? I have no, well, I, I'm having like fire down my arm. This seems serious. So I don't care what type of wrench my, 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 my mechanic uses. He speaks in my terms. You'll have your Jeep ready by Friday. I can fix that. Or that's an engine rebuild. I can't do that. So I, I know we, I, I both love and hate analogy because I think sometimes it, it puts it in good context, so sometimes it can oversimplify it. Sometimes we we milk that tool too much. Um, but yes, if you get hung up on the letters, you're missing what people are doing. I mean, look at the gamification of Peloton or the gamification of Blaze Pods. Like, do you need to be a PT to do that? You do not. But I also I see I see at least one of the reasons why this happens. This is an emotional tie. I don't run. I'm a runner. I don't do PT. I'm a physical therapist. Now you change it to someone's person. Like it's their, it's tied to their identity and that we cling to real hard. What do you think, Dave? Yeah. So I just put this in the chat. Um, I, I think now with social media, Instagram, TikTok, there's more therapy practices more than ever putting out content. They, so the content could be their therapist just doing the random, like, here's a low back pain exercise. If you have low back pain and you know, if it doesn't resolve and then the call to action to contact them. Uh, or it's just more therapists like Tony, like Tony is like absolutely leading the way over the past several years in regards to filming inside his clinic. Uh, super unique, super special. Now there's more therapists doing it, whether they even know Tony Maritato or not. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're filming patients, they're getting patient 
uh, not even like a direct testimonial, but it's like the actual treatment or a patient walking in or out of their office. Um, I think more than ever now, the public has a more and more or a better understanding of what we do, of what physical therapy is or what it can be. And it doesn't matter whether you're going to an office or a therapist is coming to you. Um, and that thing that Jimmy and I talked about recently, which is about like the demonstration, which is like show, don't tell. And there's more of the showing online on social media. Yeah. That's something that I think will continue to, you know, lift practices, lift therapists, lift the profession, all that. Um, you have to just get out there and, and do it. Um, and that segues back into the, in the pre-interview, we were talking about, um, Jimmy mentioned like a social media influencer and I was going to bring up, I, yeah, but I was going to bring up this other kid. Have you heard about Miles, this kid, Miles, uh, Miles, the music kid or something like that. So no. he's like, he's like a young savant. He like makes his own music, right? He makes yeah. his jingles. Oh, like six. Yes. He, yes. he, he like yes. piano, he's all he, he plays like every instrument. Uh, and so he made one. It was like brushing my teeth after I eat. Brushing my teeth, brushing my teeth, brushing my teeth, right? So he made the, and it's like, it went viral. And now Colgate sends him free products and he's got Colgate sponsored videos and he's six. And obviously his parents are probably handling everything, um, but he's making these jingles, but he he made it like not even like with, he doesn't even know what money is yet. Like he's, he's not trying to be an influencer or anything, what? but it's, it's, it's someone like that or it's families like that or whoever like, could be therapy practice like that, putting themselves out there. Yeah. Two things. There's always going to be a leading cause of death. I heard that once and I was like, oh, so yes. Do I think we're our, our image or the understanding is better than it was a year or three years or five years ago? Yes. Do we still have a long way to go? Also? Yes. So I think we are getting there, but we can't see that because it's still bad and we're still neck deep, but there's always going to be a leading cause of death or there's always going to be a biggest problem. And the, the kid with the, uh, with the miles, the music kit, fantastic, like gripping, right? Um, but it's, you know, to help give Gary V a little nudge on his new book, which I don't think Gary V needs my help to nudge his new book, but it, his book is coming out day trading attention. It is an attention economy. I have the access to all the information mankind ever, uh, figured out right here at the Google, Google box in my pocket. So it's, can you earn people's attention? I love to put this slide up at conferences. Doesn't matter. My audience pay attention, spend time because on the left is pay and spend. And on the right is time and attention because it's what you want and what you have to give to get it. And Miles has it figured out, and Connor Price, the, the musician, has it figured out, and the therapists in my mind, the people that have it figured out, have earned your attention, right? Over time, attention can turn into trust, and you can lose that trust, so it's a drop of a hat, so be careful with it. But that can lead people to solutions, and I think people are, in fact, beginning to figure that out. And, and I want to have Tony come back in real quick, but he tony uh with the youtube channel for total knee replacements is the best example and and he's not paying me to say this this is patient facing and uh and all that but um you know if you're a therapist if you're a ptot whatever practice owner uh go on youtube look up uh total total therapy solutions is it total therapy solutions the channel or is it the total yeah. replacement group or something total like that therapy solutions the channel and it is it is like i've known tony now i don't know nine years or something but yeah on the videos, he the reason why you have thirty or forty or fifty or whatever thousand subscribers is because you you talk to the camera like it's like you're talking to me as if I just had a knee replacement. It's so genuine. You're showing inside your clinic. You're showing patients coming into your clinic. You're showing their knee. You're you're giving them reassurance like no, this is not infected. This is not a big deal. Here's a sign. This that. Here's how to sleep comfortably after a knee replacement try this pillow, try this position. Here's something that works for some people. It might not work for you. Like it's incredible. It's, it, it is the, it is one of the best examples in the country of how to use video and how to use media 
to grow either your current practice your or a consulting practice and or some other revenue channel which you know but, Tony but does a lot second. of that's second, right? Because the first thing is he solved people's problems and then that right. will lead to the solution. If you aim at money, you miss. If you aim at so solving other people's problems, money just shows up. Kid was just brushing his teeth. Next thing you know, Colgate's writing checks. He didn't yeah. do it for that is my guess. Right. Anyway. Exactly. All right, Jimmy, take it home. All right. All right. So those are just six. I would love to know if you're still 28 minutes deep in this episode. I want to know what you agree with and disagree with. I want to know which one we missed that was glaringly obvious. And I would love to know that December 14th, 2023, we should probably come back like June 14th, 2024 and be like, okay, we're, we're 50% way th uh, the way through this year. What, what are we close on? Wh which way are we trending and see how we did? Awesome. Sounds Thanks good. guys for showing up. Thank you guys.